Welcome to Sundays with Montrose Bible Church. We're glad you tuned in as Pastor Matt leads us in a study of God's Word. Well, good morning. It is a true privilege to be with you this morning here at Montrose Bible Church, and uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to open God's Word together with you today. I bring greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus from my family back in the Chicago area and uh, uh, the church uh, of which uh, I'm a part of in that area as well, and so Uh, I'm always grateful to have the opportunity to be able to join my voice together with other believers as we worship and praise this amazing God that we serve. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me as uh, we come before the Lord in prayer in preparation for the reading of his word? Father, we thank you for the gift of this day, and we thank you that you, the the great and matchless one, have made yourself known to us that we might know you. As we turn now to your word, we ask that you would give us attentive hearts and minds, that you would instruct us, that you would comfort us, that you would challenge and convict us, that you would conform us in greater measure, to the likeness of Jesus, our Lord. And I pray that according to your good purpose, that not one of us would leave here the same as which we came, but all would be transformed by your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems that people are always talking about God's blessing. Uh, Everywhere you look, it seems to be the case. Sometimes as believers, when we are praying for others, we are not entirely sure what to pray. And say, oh, Lord, and just just bless them. Uh, When somebody sneezes, we say, bless you. When the president of the United States finishes a speech, he says, and may God bless these United States of America. And if you've had the misfortune of turning on the TV and getting one of those TV preachers that sometimes are on some of those channels, you've probably noticed that some of them will talk a whole lot about God's blessing, and it usually has something to do with sending them money so that you can open yourself up to God's blessing. It seems to be that there is a fascination surrounding the blessing of God. Now, as I serve the Lord with Cary International Pastoral Training, we have the privilege of working in many different places around the globe. Uh, we work, as you saw in that video, in, uh, in environments which are predominantly Islamic regions or Hindu regions, uh, where Buddhism is, uh, is spread everywhere or under communist regimes. But we also work in many places where there are all sorts of false teaching. One of the most rampant and insipid forms of that is what's often referred to as the prosperity gospel. 
although it's really not the gospel at all. It is a near rejection of the the word of God of the scriptures. It is a, a, a focus that moves away completely from our sinfulness and our need of a savior to to redeem us and to make payment propitiation for our sins. And it focuses instead on this idea of positioning yourself in such a way to simply receive the material blessings that these preachers often proclaim will come to you if you do the things that they're suggesting you do in obedience to them as the preacher. It's tragic to see that that's the case. And it it often takes root in many of the poorer regions of the world. In fact, it's such a problem in the nation of Uganda that this, that many of the government officials, government ministers there in Uganda are pushing for a bill that would cause every single church in the nation of Uganda to shut down unless they have a formally trained pastor at the helm of the church. But here's the problem. Just as it mentioned there in that video, Uganda, like many of the, of the other nations around the world, uh, some nine out of ten churches are led by pastors and leaders who have never had the opportunity to have even a single day of biblical, theological, or ministry training. And so... There's a great hunger there, and we have been asked as a ministry to, to come there and to help to invest in and to raise up a generation of pastors and leaders who will be able to lead the church in such a way that they not only are able to effectively be preaching the gospel, leading the church, but also defending uh, the church against these kinds of false teaching. It's a huge problem that they face. And yet there in Uganda and here in the United States and in places all around the world, this idea of God's blessing just, it it attracts people. And so whether it be that prayer when we don't know what to pray, Lord, just just bless them. Whether it be uh, uh, politicians using that phrase in, in their speeches, whether it be those prosperity preachers or whatever it may be, there is this fascination with God's blessing and it leaves us as God's people asking, how do we make sense of that? In fact, I've actually found that even those who would consider themselves to be staunch atheists will acknowledge, will admit, but if God does exist, I sure would like him to bless me. So as followers of Christ, we might be left with the question, what exactly is God's blessing? And and how are we to rightly understand it? And is there ever a time where it is right and appropriate for us to seek him for blessing? Well, this morning as we turn to God's word in the pages of the book of Psalms, I want to invite you to join me in Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Uh, there in, uh, in this psalm, we see a, a song of praise song of praise to God that probably was given in particular around the harvest time. And yet it helps us to wrestle through this idea. We might ask the question, is it right to seek God's blessing? Why does God bless his people? What is the 
purpose for his blessing in the lives of his people. And as we turn there together, what we're going to see is that God delights to bring good and generous blessing to his people, but it is not for the reason that we often consider. It is not first and foremost for our own comfort, convenience, or reputation. And so, as we read in the Word of God, Psalm 67, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let's stop there for just a moment and consider what it is that we see here in these words. The psalmist begins by showing us that the purpose of God's blessing of his people is that all the nations might know and praise him. This psalm begins with, in a sense, an answer to the question that we, some of us might ask, is it, is it ever appropriate? Is it ever right for us to, to, to ask or to seek or to pray for God's blessing? And clearly it is because that's precisely where we begin. There's a prayer here. May God be gracious to us and bless us. But actually, uh, the psalmist, as he writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is uh, obviously has in mind that ironic blessing, that that priestly blessing that the the Levites were to proclaim over the people. We find it in the book of Numbers and chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. And it's familiar to some of us. Some of us perhaps could even recite it by heart. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. And we see that echo here in the psalmist's words. Uh, So when he says here, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Literally, it's really asking God, would you turn your face toward us? Would you show favor toward us? And so uh, uh, there's a prayer here that he raises to God. But notice that the blessing that they were seeking is not simply for themselves, but in order that the nations might come to know God. And we see that as we move into verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all the nations. You see, as we travel back in in the Old Testament, uh, you may remember that in the book of Genesis, we meet a man by the name of Abraham. And as God calls Abraham, he announces to him, Abraham, I will bless you, and through you, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. And there's this wonderful promise there, which finds its ultimate fulfillment in the person of Christ Jesus. Uh, through whom uh, his earthly lineage goes back there to 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 Abraham, but of course the we even as we're gathered here today, in a sense, are recipients of that blessing. If indeed you have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
But in that, that word, in that blessing, in that promise that was made to Abraham, uh, it was speaking of the fact that Abraham and his descendants were to live in a peculiar and set-apart way. We see that unfold even more as we move a little bit further through the Old Testament to the book of Exodus, where we find before Mount Sinai, God making a covenant with his people. And he says, I am setting you apart as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, as a people belonging to God. And you see, the whole calling of the people of Israel was to live such distinct lives before the nations that people would stop and pay attention. That they would look at the Israelites and they would say, whoa, what's going on with these people? Look at the way they live. Look at the way they worship. Look at the things that they are engaged in. Look at their life. Look at their nation. Look at their blessing. Why do they have that? And so God set apart Abraham, and later he set apart the nation of Israel that they would, in a sense, be vessels through which, as God provided for them, as God worked in their midst, and as they lived under the joyous circumstance of knowing their God, of worshiping the one true God and experiencing the joy and the delight that comes from doing things God's way that all of the nations of the earth would look. And they would say, tell us more. Tell us more. And of course, that's the, uh, the way that the church of Jesus Christ is called to live today as well. Distinct and set apart lives. The problem in the Old Testament was... They started to take things for granted. And instead of being a light to the nation, something that attracted others, they started to separate themselves and say, no, this is for us, and you have no part of it. I've got to be careful because even today, sometimes that can be the attitude of some in the church as we consider the watching world around us. But here in this psalm, we see, may God bless us. And he's praying that, that, that they would experience the joy of the blessings of God in order that your, may, your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all the nations. And so we see here this beautiful Truth that through their lives, people were to see that God is a God who saves. God is a God who saves and that he rescued his people, Israel, from captivity and slavery in Egypt. And God is a God who saves because even that exodus ultimately points to the fact that he is one who rescues out of captivity and slavery to sin and death and hell and brings life and salvation to those who trust in him and the result of that should rightly be that all the peoples would praise you. All the peoples, all the nations should look and see and understand. And it is right that all people everywhere should praise God. It's right that that should happen because he is worthy. We've just sung about the fact that our God is worthy of praise. And it is right that all people everywhere should praise him and not praise any other. 
You know, sometimes we forget about the fact that God does all things at all times and in all ways for his own glory. You know, sometimes, especially when we're talking about this idea of the blessing of God, we have this idea of it's all about us. But no, God does all things at all times and in all ways for his own praise, for his own glory. But here's the wonderful news. God delights to glorify himself in a way that brings delight and blessing to his people. But we have to be careful. Because it is indeed right that all people everywhere should recognize and rejoice in him because he is worthy. Sometimes we get a little bit twisted, a little bit mixed up in this. We see phrases or verses like the one we find in Isaiah 42 where it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Or we see that God is a jealous God and we wrestle with that term. We're kind of a little embarrassed by that. No, it's not that God is petty or insecure. It is that it is right and appropriate for all people everywhere to worship and praise him because there is none before him, none beside him, none above him. He is the only one who is worthy of praise. And so for the people of God, for us, it ought to be Our hearts delight to live in such a way as to exhibit to others the joy that comes from praising God, from knowing him and of pointing them to that. And so here in this psalm, we find this reminder. And we're reminded that God is glorified through his loving and generous acts to his people. He's glorified when his people recognize and rightly respond to him as the the giver of every good and perfect gift. He's glorified when his people point others to him and worship him. But the problem is when we consider the many blessings that God lavishes upon us, things that we often are prone to take for granted, we sometimes fall into that trap of thinking that we have them because we did it or because we're deserving. And when we fail to recognize him, we become glory thieves. We rob him of what is rightfully his, his praise, his glory, his honor. As we travel through the Old Testament, we see that happen The problem in ancient Israel was that they were a people who were supposed to enjoy the rich blessings of God and use them for the sake of the surrounding nations. But they lost sight of their holy calling. And so they began to see the blessings of God as a point of pride and of boasting. They began to believe that the blessings of God belonged to them purely for their own utilization. Thanks, God. Keep it coming. They began to assume that they could live for their own glory and yet continue to count on the pouring out of his blessings. And they began to lose sight of their calling to be a light to the nations. Now, when I reflect on that, I have to admit that that challenges my heart because as I look at the church But if I'm brutally honest, sometimes as I look at my very own life, 
we can often assume that God blesses us for our own sake. We can assume that we can do whatever we want with his blessings. Yeah, I'll give God a tip in the tithe box and everything else is for me. We sometimes use his blessings for our own glory rather than his. And like Israel long ago, we often look down upon those who don't know him, who don't follow him, and are quick to criticize and condemn their lifestyle instead of living as physical, visible representatives of a holy God before the nations. Let me just remind us of something that I think we need to keep in view as the church. People who are apart from Jesus Christ live like people who are apart from Jesus Christ. Don't be surprised by that. Instead of cursing the darkness, may it cause us to shine the light ever more brightly. But the psalmist isn't done because... He's reminding us here, even as he's praying on behalf of the nation that God would bless in order that through that that they receive from the Lord, they would be then a blessing to the nations around them, that they would come to know the Lord. He goes on to show us that it is right that all of the nations, that everybody everywhere should praise God. And he gives us two specific reasons for that. He says, for he sovereignly judges and guides them all. We see that in verse 4. It says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. And then he takes up that same refrain that we saw uh, just a moment ago. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So he helps us to see here uh, that it's right that the nations should call on the Lord and praise him because of the reality that whether they, they know it or not, God is the sovereign one. That is, he rules and reigns in all places, over all things, at all times. He is the sovereign one and he judges with equity. It is a comforting thing to know that God is a good judge. That even as we look around and we see brokenness and we see sin and we see often people getting off scot-free without seeming to pay for their crimes, that God is righteous and just and there is coming a time where all things will be made right because he judges the nations with equity. As we work in different regions of the world, many of the pastors that we serve are facing challenges that we can even hardly even begin to imagine. You saw in that video, Pastor David, who serves in uh, in Myanmar, and uh, you may have seen this in the news, although it dropped off the news cycle quite some time ago. But back in February of 2021, uh, there was a military coup that took place. And the military junta there in Myanmar has systematically been sweeping the length and breadth of the country. 
And uh, even as we have been involved in training, a lot of our training there has had to go online because of the, uh, uh, the, the security situation there in that country. Uh, we have situations where we are actually engaged in training live with them using some specially coded SIM cards to get around government restrictions. And some of our pastors have been hiding out in the villages or in the, in the jungle surrounding a village, looking through the trees, even while they're studying the scriptures with us. And as they look through the trees, they are watching as the military are coming and burning the entire village to the ground. And you hear about some of the atrocities that are taking place there in Myanmar and in some of the other countries in which we work. And our hearts grieve. And the believers there are crying out, how long, O Lord? And we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. We need to be engaged in encouraging them in whatever way we can as they're facing persecution and opposition and difficulty, the likes of which we we hardly can begin to imagine. But you know, the thing that has uh, struck me time and time again as we've been working with them or as I find myself working with uh, uh, members of the underground church in, in, in some nations that I'm not allowed to mention in case we're live streaming, but um, I am humbled as I see the things that are going through and I talk about them and say, we are so thankful for the training you've been providing us because we have learned that in the midst of everything that we are going through, that he is at perfect peace whose God is sovereign. He is at perfect peace whose God is sovereign. That is, they're saying to us, we know that God judges with equity. And despite what we're going through, we have confidence because we know he is good. And he will not allow any unrighteous act to go undealt with or any virtue to be forgotten. And the psalmist reminds us here of that, that he judges with equity, and he says, and he guides the nations upon the earth. And I love this. This is not just in a random sense. God does not come to us as his people and say, here's the map, go figure it out. But instead, what he does, this guidance that he's talking about here is something that is personal and relational. In fact, the word that that the psalmist uses here in this verse, in verse 4, is found several other times in the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, chapter 24, verse 48, when Abraham sends out his servant to go and find a wife for his son Isaac. And the servant arrives at the well, and some of you may remember the account where he he prays to the Lord, and and he says, uh, uh, the first one who comes out and says, uh, let me draw water for you and for your camels as well. Well, that's the one. Uh, It's a strange way of going about dating. Um, Not sure I recommend that practice today. But but after that happens and and, and, uh, um, uh, Rebecca comes out, this man, this servant of Abraham, he cries out to God in prayer. And he praises him for having guided his path to that very place and time. And moment, and that same word occurs again in the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verse 21, where after the people of Israel come out of slavery, out of captivity in Egypt, it says, and God guided them in the wilderness with the pillar of fire by night and of cloud 
by day. And so the psalmist is reminding us here, it is right that we should reflect to the nations the greatness of God that they might know him. And even if they know nothing else of him, that they would come to understand he is a God who saves, that he is a God who judges justly, that he is a God who guides those who seek him. And let me just take a moment to say, he not only guides the nations, but friends, he guides each of his children. I don't know what decisions you have before you today. I don't know if you find yourself in a situation and you're like, I don't know what to do. But praise the Lord. Because one of his great blessings is the fact that he delights to lead and guide those who seek his face. And then as the psalmist closes, he in a sense repeats his major theme. As he says in verse 6 and 7, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. What we see is that God is faithful in his blessing so that all the nations would fear him, would worship him, would reverence him. In a sense, we see a repetition of the earlier statements here. Uh, again, I, I indicated that this psalm seems to be possibly something that was sung around the harvest time because we see here a praise for the material increase of the land. The, 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 the earth has yielded its increase, he says. And um, uh, the language here, although a little bit difficult to to uh, determine whether or not this is a past tense or a present tense, uh, what he seems to be doing is he seems to be pointing to God's faithfulness in the past and a confidence of his continued faithfulness to come. And so we see that in the language here. Of here. If you notice it, God, uh, so the earth has yielded its increase past or at least present, and then this wonderful statement, God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And so there's this future confidence. And many of us could have that same kind of testimony in our own lives, couldn't we? Uh, We can look to the past and we can see how God has been faithful, how God has been true to his word and his promise. And as we consider how he has sustained us and provided for us and led us and guided us and shown himself true in the past, it gives us great hope and great confidence even in the midst of an uncertain future because we know the certainty of our God. And then we see once more in verse 7. We are reminded that the end goal of the blessing of God is the glory of God amongst the nations. The end goal of the blessing of God is the glory of God amongst the nations. And ultimately, we look forward to the day where this psalm will be utterly fulfilled when the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. On that day where Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We look forward to that day.
But it's our privilege right now, those of us who name the name of Jesus Christ, to live our lives in such a way in the here and now. To rejoice in the goodness of our God. To rejoice in the faithfulness of God. Yes, to give thanks for his blessings that are bountiful. And to use that in order to give him praise. And to make known to all people everywhere just how great our God is. When we consider this, it's appropriate that we do stop and ask ourselves just a couple of questions. How has God blessed us? How has he blessed us? And honestly, if I were to open it up right now, we could be here all day coming up with different things. But sometimes, sometimes we forget to remember. He's blessed us spiritually. He's blessed us through the knowledge of Christ It's my hope and my desire for you that today you know with certainty that you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you know the joy of knowing that that your sins are forgiven and of knowing the God that you were created and designed to worship. He's blessed us through spiritually through the knowledge of Christ. He's blessed us materially with our homes, with our jobs, with our possessions, with our money. God is generous in his blessing. He's blessed us relationally. He's blessed us with people in our lives who come alongside and encourage us. It's one of the great blessings of being a part of a godly church is that he has blessed us with one another and we need one another as we walk this difficult and at times painful journey of life for his glory. That we can encourage one another and spur one another on and build one another up. But he's also blessed us with, with family members and with co-workers and with others in our sphere of influence. Even those who don't yet know him. He's brought to us and to our lives in a sense a mission field, an opportunity to put his blessing in our lives on display to others. And he's blessed us practically. In many different ways, I am sure that there are an abundance of gifts and skills and abilities in this church that bring great blessing to this church, to this body. So wonderful to to stand there and to worship together with you. And as I look and I see the musicians and the singers up here, they're using their gifts for the building up of the body. And there's many other ways in which we do that. Some of the things that we often take for granted, things that we've learned in school, things that we've grown up around are are, are blessings from God to be used for his praise and glory. How has God blessed you? Are there some things in your life that you could be using as an act of worship to him from Sunday to Saturday each week? At Cary, we recognize that here in North America we have an unusual blessing that, quite frankly, we take for granted. Let me illustrate that for you. Where I live in the Chicagoland area, the greater Chicago area, within about a little over an hour from where I live, there are five world-class evangelical seminaries. Five within an hour. When I go to Madagascar... 
we have pastors who travel over a thousand kilometers. I had to look that up. That's around about a little under 700 miles in order to come and receive training and equipping. But you know what? They don't jump on a plane like I did yesterday to get here to be with you. No, they, uh, many of them will walk for 40 or 50 miles by foot just to get to the nearest road where they will then wait until a truck passes by and they jump on the back of the truck, which they then ride the back of the truck in order to get to the nearest town, where they can then get a bus, where they can then go over to the next town. And then when they finally arrive, and it's because there is such a hunger for the word that they have no access to. And so we recognize as a ministry that God has unusually blessed us with access to things that they don't have in other parts of the world. And so really the root to the heart of the mission that we're involved in is to come alongside and to do precisely what this psalm is talking about. It's to recognize, God, you have blessed us. And would you use us now in such a way that we would be a blessing to the nations that they too might know and worship and serve and follow you. So what do we do with all this? Friends, let me just encourage you as I wrap up. Maybe you do this sometimes, but probably many of us forget to. It's a good thing to take an inventory of our blessings. uh, To remind ourselves, and perhaps for some of us this afternoon, maybe to sit together with your family and again to recount uh, how God has been good to you. As the old hymn says, count your blessings Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It is good to remind ourselves of his goodness and faithfulness to us. And when we do that, it helps us to guard against robbing God of his glory. By claiming those things for myself. Look what I did. No, look what God has done. It reminds us that every good and perfect gift we have comes from him. It leads us to thanksgiving and worship and to a joyful contentment. One of the great reasons we struggle with contentment and always chasing after more is because we forget to remember what God has already given us. And it challenges us to consider how we are using his blessings for the sake of our fellow believers, for the sake of our unbelieving neighbors, and even for the sake of the nations. What Psalm 67 calls us to do is to remember the greatness of our God and to respond, I believe, with prayer in thanksgiving and praise and worship to him for who he is and for what he has done. It also compels us to keep moving forward in the work of the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations, that all people everywhere might come to know him because that is why God has entrusted to us all he's entrusted to us, that all people everywhere would know that he is a God who saves, that we would be a light to the nations. And it compels us to a life of generosity. And I don't know what that looks like for you, 
but to recognize that God has entrusted much to me, and it is not just for my comfort, my convenience, or my reputation. But all of it is for his glory among the nations, that we might live lives for his praise. Why? Does God bless his people? Why has he blessed you? Why has he blessed me? God blesses his people so that all the nations might know and praise him. May we be those kind of vessels who put on display for a watching world to see the joy that comes from living for the praise of his glory. Amen. Father, we do thank you that you are a generous and merciful God. Today, as we gather here, we confess that we are undeserving of your grace and your mercy to us, and yet you have lavished it upon us in Christ. Thank you. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see your hand at work in our lives. Lord, even in those times where we feel like we lack, help us again to look to your face and to rejoice. And we thank you for this high and holy calling you have given us to reflect Christ to a watching world. Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us to see how we can use all that you have entrusted to us for the sake of your glory among the nations. Lord, thank you uh, for this opportunity to share just briefly a little bit and a few stories of the challenges and the struggles, but also the great blessing of the work that you are doing among the nations through the ministry of Carrie. And thank you for many other ministries that likewise are serving the nations. Lord, be glorified in our lives. Be glorified to the ends of the earth. And may we be found faithful about this work to which you have called us till Christ returns or calls us home. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. We trust you were challenged by the word of the Lord and invite you to join us again if you'd like to learn more about our ministry in Montrose or want to connect with Pastor Matt. Come worship with us at 9.30 every Sunday along Lake Avenue 